Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Howdy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 30, Tiffany. This week, we heard the interview with Becky's sister, Tiffany, and we got a lot of interesting and critical insight on the family dynamic of John, Vicky, and Becky. Per usual, I'm Zach. I'm joined by Bob and Janet. And after a quick break, we're going to get into our thoughts and your listener questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. Okay, we're back, and we had a very full episode that you dropped on Sunday, Bob. Uh, and you did as you said. You didn't do a lot of analysis, so I feel like we have a ton to talk about. I know Zach has a lot of notes. Let's get into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. I feel like I need to address the elephant in the room, and uh, I'm going to apologize on Zach's behalf for his use of the word huge. Um, so let's just get that out of the way. And I'm going to apologize that he didn't say ahoy in the intro. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of apologies on Zach's behalf. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, now that that's out of the way, Zach, what did you think about this episode? So, you know, I'm always the guy that kind of, bats the other way occasionally on this and I, I've got to start out right off the get-go that this interview was a little weird for me and it bothers me that we only have one half of this we don't have Becky's half we don't have we don't have anything we only have what Tiffany says mm-hmm. so some of it lends one way or the other and I don't know how to feel about it like the whole idea that they're so close that they talk all the time but we don't have any phone records to indicate that and it's convenient that they got in an argument and were taking time off of talking for a week before this happens. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not saying it's not true. I Why just, do you say it's convenient? There's they. She talks about how close they are. They talk. We talk several times a day, up to ten times a day. Uh huh. But there's no phone records to indicate that that ever happens. Okay. Well, that was definitely one of the questions. People were wondering if there there was evidence to support that. And then the what I'm saying is convenient is at the beginning of this week, according to Tiffany that there was this lie that Becky told her child's father that upset her and they weren't talking. 
Right. So there's things like that that really, I'm not saying it's not true, Mm. but I'm saying that's the type of things that I see coming into this where we only see what Tiffany wants us to see. We are not really seeing the full picture. Yeah. And and I wasn't so much worried about that stuff, but as I said in the middle of the episode, like a lot of like the, the negative stuff about John, that's, that's tricky. It was tricky for me because Tiffany, I think Tiffany's voice is valid and needs to be heard. And, and there's nothing to indicate that the stuff she's saying isn't accurate or true, but it's super uncomfortable to talk about a victim in such a, in such a negative light on there. And yeah, it, it is stuff that we only, but you know, the, the best we can do is to continue to get everybody's opinion from all these different angles and then try to piece them together. So she's just one, one piece of that. What, what do you think of the interview, Janet? Oh, I thought it was really interesting. I appreciated you saying that. Um, I think for a lot of people, uh, as we see in our follow-up questions, you know, people were kind of thrown for a loop a little bit by hearing the stuff that Tiffany was saying about John specifically, um, because we've listened to a ton of interviews and hadn't heard that before. In fact, had heard that she got along really well with him. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are definitely, you know, you said it, it's sort of zigs when it, you think it's going to zag and vice versa. And so people are definitely wondering People are asking about more information across the board, right? Because there was so much information in the interview and so many questions came up around, of course, the FBI case and all of that. Um, I listened to the I listened to the episode three times. And at the end, I was like, there's so much to talk about. I kind of don't even know where to begin with the questions. And luckily, everyone kind of came in and had all of the questions I would have had today. So. Yeah. So and, unless you have something particular you want to talk about, Zach. I'm I'm I have a lot of notes, but I'm guessing they're covered in questions that I can bring up at the time. Okay. And if not, then we'll t- touch on those after. So let's go ahead and get right into because I know there was a ton of listener questions. Okay. Well, first I just want to put the general question that kind of comes up uh, almost every episode as we've been moving away from the friend group and trying to lean more towards family and John and Vicky. People still wondering about the phone records for John and Vicky, saying we understand that they only made a couple of calls. But because of this interview with Tiffany, now there's that curiosity about whether even just one of those calls could end up providing information that could be helpful to the case. Yeah, they're all uh, included in the master list that Teresa is putting together. Um, And including to your point, Zach, we already had Becky's records all the way back to the Monday before. Mm -hmm. And one of what Teresa is working on now is adding in the rest of her stuff from the week before. So we could see some of that. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the trickiest part is the lack of home phone records. The fact that the police department only wanted, only pulled two days worth of home phone records because of the cost. So we only had that quick screenshot other than seeing them on the other end of the records for people whose, whose phone records we have. And then the fact that we know there's calls that occurred that don't even show up on those records. You know, we saw that it first came to light when we see calls on Robert's cell phone that say that the landline called his phone, but then on the landline, those calls don't show up. And then here we have Tiffany saying that, you know, she talked to her mom like five times that weekend. And we have, there's, there's one call on the home phone records that shows a, a, a a call to Tiffany or a call from Tiffany, and that's on Saturday at like 2 in the afternoon to 11 p.m. or something. Okay. Um, but we don't see any other calls on there. But 
I don't know. It, it's hard. Like, it, I, I, there's no reason for Tiffany to be lying about that. And we know there's calls that don't show up on the landline records. I just wish we had that. Yeah, I mentioned beginning of the episode, it sent me down this whole rabbit trail because it was like, oh, she said she called. I look on the phone records. Like, well, I don't see those. But here's a number I don't know that turns out to be John's ex wife. Well, maybe that, you know, then that's, well, go into uh, his son Robert's interview to check phone numbers and stuff. Nope, he's got his own cell phone. Go into his mom's interview and it's like, she, okay, well, she lists her cell phone and a home phone, and that number definitely is her cell phone. So who called? Did Rob call from her cell phone? Did she call from her cell phone? Where's the calls from Rob? Or is that the call from Rob? It's just, it's hard. The, the, the hope was to be able to verify and nail all this stuff down based on phone records, and we just have such an incomplete record, it's difficult. And the police should have put any notes and research and and connections they made to what all the phone numbers were. You should have those if they existed. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but they didn't they didn't really do that. Yeah. They had that for like so like for example, the Roberts phone records. Mm-hmm. We show like the warrant where they asked to get them. They've got and then the document where they actually have them. There's a a, a report at the beginning of that and the only thing noted is Here's the times Robert talked to Becky on this day at this time, this day at this time. And then here's the record. Like they didn't go through, well, who else did he talk to? They didn't go through else. Who else did Becky talk to? You know, Mm -hmm. in her phone. All the analysis they did was just on, you know, like same thing with Javier and Jacob. Jacob talked to Becky at these times and his phone had no service at this time. It doesn't get into anything else. So all of that work has had to be had to have been done on our end. Yeah. Uh, And I just wanted to point out Montana and Hannah and a couple of other folks in the YouTube chat mentioned that while some people were surprised by what was said about John, other listeners were not as surprised. They felt like hearing uh, from Tiffany about this potential home life with John and his behavior actually made some other things kind of fall into place for them. So um, people, you know, there are people who feel both ways for sure. And uh, there was a mention of the interview with Claire where she kind of said, you know, um, we're not totally sure what her home life was like. I'm not sure if everything I heard was true. Maybe that's um, I think that's maybe what Sarah is mentioning in the YouTube chat. You know, some some vague references to stuff that maybe is feeling like it makes more sense for some folks. Well, and, and we knew that that Becky moved away for her during her senior year, which was odd. And we wondered why would that be? Why would she leave during her, her senior year? And then the other thing that I found found interesting was there was the the financial side of it. Remember way back when we were going through, like his boss here, not his boss, he's a contractor, but you know says you know he's and he's checking ten ninety nine to see. He said sixty, you know, he's paying him sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, how the hell are they broke? And then, so, you know, kind of Tiffany's impression of him is that he's just kind of a leech and lives off of off of uh, Vicky. Well, it's like, and I don't know that that's true, but that would make, all of a sudden, it would make sense why they were broke if he was just keeping his money hmm. and making Vicky pay for all the expenses with, you know, with her paycheck from Macy's. Well, it does kind of seem like that too. I mean, we we have, you know, confirmation that that John's ex-wife got back payment of child support. Yeah. Directly after Vicky got paid. Yeah. So I mean, 
as Tiffany said in there that like she knew that that money was coming and that knew that John was going to want to do something with that. Mm-hmm. And she was she said it multiple times that like she's like that's your money. You need to take care of that. That's your money. Yeah. yeah. But she knew John was going to take care of that and it kind of it points to what Tiffany was saying about John being kind of controlling and and possibly abusive. I mean throughout the relationship. The the big question for me was where is John's money going? You know, because what, what the things that Tiffany was saying are accurate, like you can see in their bank records. Yeah. They were late on their mortgage payment all the time. They, you know, the, you could see where Vicky is depositing her checks and they're paying bills, but they're behind on bills. There's not a lot of money in there. And, you know, according to Tiffany, you know, he wouldn't pay any bills, mm-hmm. but he's making all this money. So all of a sudden it adds it really what it did for me was add in this other level of victimology. Yes. Like, because he cashed all of his checks and he made that much money, did he have a massive pile of cash somewhere? Well, and she says too that she it wouldn't be surprising to her if John was doing harder drugs as well, which could be where the money is going. Right, but the, my my problem with that is you know number one she's assuming and two in his talk screen none of there were no drugs present. Okay, you know so if he's like a chronic user of a lot of drugs, I would think that it would have been... Yeah, how, how long does some of that stay in your system, though? I don't know. Well, marijuana stays in your system for weeks. You know, I, with the fire damage... The only thing I don't know is with the amount of damage to the bodies, mm-hmm. if that affects how the the tox screens would, hmm. would work. Um, That's a good question. But yeah, we don't have any indication from anybody that he was doing hard drugs, uh, other than that he used to when he was, you know, way back when he was with his, his ex-wife. But... You know, and then again, we were thinking like, could it be gambling? Could it be anything else? But like Tiffany said, he's always home. He's he goes to work, and then he's home, and that's what everybody says. He's always home. So it's like, where is all this money? And it, and it does paint a picture of how that relationship works. If you know, it, I don't know if it's a situation where he's like, well, this is your house, my name's not on it, so you got to pay the bills, and then he's just pocketing all of his money. I don't know, but I, I I'd love to know where all that money went. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the talk screen because that was something that Jessica had asked. Uh, just wanted to make sure she remembered right that there was a talk screen done on John and Vicky's bodies or just Becky's as people are sort of leaning into this addiction addiction idea or, you know, substance abuse idea. Yeah, they, there was there was talk screens on all three of them. Um, you know, and, and the other thing as far as the money there was in the um, bank accounts. There was also it shows cash withdrawals all the time, lots of cash withdrawals. So like money goes in and it all gets pulled out and they're laid on their bank payments. You don't see cash deposits in there, which would be the money from John. So it's I don't know. It's that's a weird thing. I wish we knew where it was going because I think that would help a ton. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to talk about the the FBI case i mean that's something that a ton of people i mean i can't even list all of them i mean i guess i could but um shouting out all of the people in the follow-up who had questions about it um i'll read nicole h's uh just to have one specific example but i think it sort of echoes the curiosity many people have and the assumption or the hope that maybe you know more than you than you might actually know uh, nicole said tiffany said becky moved back to pinion pines because she's needed a new she needed a neutral place to live Somewhere the Ron allegations weren't happening. What are these FBI issues slash allegations from Tiffany that are big enough to for Becky to want to leave where she was thriving to go back to potential abuse from John? So, but again, what do we know about that? Not much. I mean, so there's a couple things going on there. The sheriff's department was being investigated by the FBI 
at this time for another we have I'm, I'm going to get into it but there was another weird homicide suicide that happened um that drew in the FBI was investigating the sheriff's department at the at that time Ron you know there's been some speculation of well did Ron's retirement was it a you know you're allowed to retire instead of getting terminated because, and I don't know, I have no idea if that's the case or not. That's what I said. I don't know. There's, um, there seems to be some allegations of abuse, uh, of Ron towards, towards Tiffany, but I don't know if that's true. I have no, I, I really don't know what well, the FBI seemed, investigation was. It, it seemed like, even though we aren't privy to what the knowledge is, it seems like it must've been fairly assumed what was happening because she says she, you know the detective acts like he knows what she's talking doesn't about. question her at all right. she's like well and i'm sure you know and he and he just goes uh-huh and then she keeps so obviously i mean it's something is known that's happening but we just i mean yeah apparently we're not privy to it yeah i i, I don't know and i, I don't like I said I, uh, those are the few things that i've heard thrown around i don't know what how any of it might connect to ron i really don't know and so far, I've been able to find anything. I've, I haven't been able to find anything concrete on that. And there was no, yeah, I mean, there was there would be no reason that it would ever come up in the case itself since that had absolutely nothing to do with Robert and Christian. So they could arguably, you know, sort of have the conversation off the side like, well, we're going to pull all of that out because that's not relevant. And that stays right. totally sealed. Well, like somebody said, somebody in, in, in the Facebook group had said something like, you know, they were kind of defending like Ron saying, well, even the even the defense didn't raise Ron as an alternate suspect. Like it's like this, they weren't allowed to raise anybody as an alternate suspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, questions about from people like uh, Kristen and, and Sandy, folks who are wondering if you think any of the sisters would talk to you, um, wondering about, you know, present day communication. I think we've kind of covered that. But if you just want to revisit sort of. Yeah, I, I don't know. Questions. I am. I I am going to reach out to Tiffany again. You know, I said like with with like her specifically, I've written I've mailed letters, written letters, sent to email addresses that I found. I don't know if any of that stuff I never got a response. So I don't know if she ever even got any of that. I've sent messages through Facebook. Uh I've no idea if she's ever received any of that. Uh but I have another way to contact her now that I'm I am i am I'm sure she will get. So I'm I'm going to reach out and just see. But I, I have no idea if they want to talk at all. Okay. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Sarah says, I thought Tiffany was the source of the accusation against Robert abusing Becky, but this interview, she was all positive. Was it a different sister who made the accusation? I don't know. I definitely, all she says about Robert in this interview, if you read the transcripts, because I didn't you know, get into all of it, is just that he was very sweet. That's it. That's all we get. Right. Yeah, there's definitely no, and, and Bump and Sarah specifically asked, were there any issues with any of these guys? And that's when she keeps coming back to Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nothing there. So I know she wasn't the source of it. We're going to go through the other sisters' interviews too. But but no, I I, I don't think, I'm trying to remember who was it that said that he had they had heard from Tiffany about some abuse. I remember that coming up in an interview, but I can't remember from who. Oh, I can't either. It was really early on. It was pretty I, I early on. Um, yeah, but it seems to me was it Robert? That was it, it Robert who said that he said that he heard that her sister was saying that she hurt him, or that he hurt her? I don't remember. Um, but it certainly didn't seem like now that we've we've heard from Tiffany. And speaking of hearing from Tiffany today, when we're recording this Wednesday at two p.m. Eastern. Uh, I, the, I'm dropping the bonus episode that has Tiffany's full audio. It's it's really really hard to hear, uh, but the transcript is also posted, so so you can read along if you want to. Don't feel like you need to listen to it. You can read it, but it is up because I know some people wanted it. Uh, just showing uh, Teresa Montana and um, and Porphyria. I'm going to get really good at saying that. Um, all backed me up. It was Robert, Amy, Val- yeah, Valeria. Everybody, everybody says it was when, heard, yeah, that it was sister. actually he was the source of the information about a sister saying that he had abused her. So, um, right. interesting. And he had said that, and that's coming back to me now, where he had said that he had heard that her sister was saying that, mm-hmm. which means so somebody else told him that that her sister was saying that about him, which could have been Javier. And Javier seems to be. He was talking to Javier that day, and Javier seems to be the source of everything. So that's a good possibility. That's where that came from. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because Sarah also mentioned that uh, she said, I found it interesting that Tiffany seems to be an early disseminator of details from the crime scene, wondering if she might have been Javier's source instead of his dad. Well, Javier says that Tiffany is his source. And that, that kind of came up er- earlier was, you know, he says that it was on the 21st that Tiffany told him about Becky's body being in a wheelbarrow. Right. But then we heard from Jacob, Bo, Nick, and Robert, I think, maybe even more. Might have been Nick Corline too. I'm not sure. Um, But there were, yeah, basically everyone says that Javier told them about the wheelbarrow way before he ever even talked to, even met Tiffany or talked to her. Hmm. But yeah, that is Javier's claim right. is that on the 21st, he met Tiffany and that's when Tiffany told him about the body in the wheelbarrow. But Jacob was interviewed on the 20th and said, talked about the body in the wheelbarrow and said Javier told him then. Hmm. Regarding Vicky, Abby says, I believe this was brought up previously by someone on the page, but who collected the life insurance policy? Obviously, Tiffany didn't know Vicky had one. Yeah, I'm not sure about that yet. I have to. I, it's on my list of things to go through because in another interview you're going to hear this weekend, she talks a little more about it. But yeah, it, um, she doesn't know if there if there's even like insurance on the house, life insurance. 
I think that it, it would end up, it ended up probably getting kind of split up from the sisters from what I remember correctly when I read through it months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to go back through and verify all that. Yeah. Nicole just mentioned, is it, is, is it me or is it weird that Tiffany didn't mention Javi in her interview? Well, she hadn't met him yet. Yeah. At that point. And you're going to hear about that but this weekend, too. Like goes when she goes back to people questioning whether they spoke 10 times a day because it seemed like everybody else knew that she was spending a ton of time with Javi. Oh, I didn't she bring him. I th- didn't she bring him up, I think, but just as a friend. I don't remember. I don't remember her doing it in this one. It, it Maybe not in what I said, but if anybody who read the transcript okay. of the whole thing, because I believe there was a mention of okay. Javier. Uh, might have even been something Bumpacero asked. Uh, about her but i i know and i've heard three of her interviews okay. this week so i'm trying to remember which one it is but she talks about how that javier was just a, a good close friend okay um kathy and fiona um megan folks are asking about vicky's friends and co-workers some of the people that were mentioned by tiffany in the phone conversation um any of the sisters uh Anything in there in that sort of range of people that we have an indication that the police spoke to? Uh, not so far, no. And she's very vague in that, you know, it's like Janice. I don't remember her last name. There was, the, you know, she never says first and last name of a person. Uh, but no, I, do, I don't think any of those people she mentioned were interviewed. Gosh, you would hope that they would go to Macy's and interview each one of her coworkers. Right. And I do have some interviews that we're going to get to that I'm at least going to break down uh, of some friends of Vicky's that do get interviewed later and neighbors. Okay. Um, Jessica says, can you discuss Vicky's pre-offense behavior? The fact that she made a point of seeing Tiffany and her son so close to the murders when she never would have before is important to her victimology. Going back to that. that again. Well, I think what Jessica's talking about is this this piece of the conversation in which Tiffany says all of a sudden she wanted to come see me. She said she needed to get away. Um, she mm-hmm. had never made a priority of seeing her grandson before, but all of a sudden she's comfortable going and staying with Chuck. Um, do you want to talk more about that section? Because I think that was definitely eyebrow raising for a lot of folks and made them question some things. It definitely is for me. And I've, I've mentioned this before, like the process when we're doing like arson investigation is you're always looking for what, and it's the same thing in my experience doing murder investigations is particularly in a personal cause homicide. You're looking for what's changed. What was the, what, what, what's, what was different right before this that didn't exist prior to that. And so it, 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 it's definitely very, very interesting to me that she never goes to visit her. Definitely wouldn't stay there, stay at Chuck's house. Never had a relationship with her grandson, even hardly at all. And that the day before she's murdered, and even on the day that she is murdered, she's tr- she's talking about wanting to make these pl- wanting to come see her and wanting to come vi- wanting to come visit her that weekend and wants to go see her granddaughter or her grandson and wants to stay at the house. I don't, you know, so it, it just seems it's definitely not something we should we should be ignoring that it appears that Vicky wanted away from that house on the weekend that she ends up getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and per Tiffany, I mean, she says that I really need to get out of here. That's what she said that Vicky told yeah. her. I really yeah. need to get out of here. And that was su- supposedly that same weekend. Yeah. And, and that led to a lot of like theories and, and, and questions and comments people have sent to me and, and have posted like, is it possible this was like a murder suicide? Because it's you know Tiffany's portrayal of John was that that was not a healthy relationship. 
Uh, and then you have you have Vicky wanting to get out of there, mm-hmm. and then she ends up dead. But as we discussed in the the Patreon, the the pre show, I just I there's no there's no set of circumstances that I can see where that's possible. There was no weapon found anywhere near any of the bodies, so I just don't see how that's well. And as we talked on on the Patreon part, the pre show, we discussed that you know victimology may point that way, but the the scene does not point. Right way that way. Yeah. And I saw the same, like exactly right. Yeah. The victimology here and what we're hearing is like, oh, that's a possibility. But then when you look at the, the crime scene itself, it doesn't seem so much like a possibility. Right. I mean, it seems extremely, extremely far fetched in my eyes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's possible. Okay. So, so as since we're on this, I, and Please. it may come up here in a second, but we're talking about this. She mentions that there's tension between John and Chuck, and that's why she's never come over. That's why she. Do we mm-hmm. know why there's tension? Do we know anything about this? She just says that it was not on Chuck's part that John hated Chuck. That's what she said. And all I can think of would be because the girls have a relationship with him. And according to Tiffany, the girls aren't close to John. And then maybe that pisses him off. Okay. And this is, again, all from Tiffany's perspective. But from Tiffany's perspective, it seems like the girls are much closer to Vicky's ex-boyfriend Mm-hmm. than they are to him uh, and maybe that's where and do we know from. how much time she spent with chuck because chuck is vicky's partner between ron and john as far as we know yeah and do we know how much time she was with chuck not for uh, less than a year i think it all happened around like 94 somewhere around there and okay. by 95 she was with john okay uh it was a pretty short relationship i, I think chuck the story is a story we're gonna we have an interview with chuck um that we're gonna get into at some point um, soon. Um, but I think it was like, he was like visiting a neighbor up there and that's when he met Vicky and they dated for a little while and then didn't last very hmm. long. It just, it really, I, I really want to know why there's tension that, that is strikes me very big and it may be nothing, but it, like to have that much tension that with an ex, with your partner's ex, that it causes all this drama. I don't, I mean, I'm curious to see. I can see is. it for, you know, I've had a, a bit of a sordid past with relationships and, and stuff, but, sordid. um, so especially I think when, when, when kids are involved, you know, I can see, you know, uh, uh, Becky and I both get along really well with our exes now and we're all very close, but they're definitely like at the, you know, at the beginning of that, there's, there's tension there, especially when there's, sure. A new, you know, it's it's odd a little bit because you know those aren't John's kids, mm-hmm. but I I could I could see if John comes in and he's like, well, I want to be a dad to these kids, and they're like, we don't like you, we'd rather be with her ex boyfriend. That that right. turns into depending on his personality, animosity towards him that just never goes away. Right. Uh, Jennifer wants to know: Was Vicky supposed to work on Monday? Just kind of wondering if she did want to get away from the house. Like, what is she saying with that? You know, is she saying she wants to get get away for a while, or was it just for that day? Or I mean, again, that's so much we don't know. But I don't know. I mean, we only know what what Tiffany told us. Right. And it was just that she was just seemed it seemed to her she was desperate to get away that weekend. Yes. But then she says she she cancels, but then says I want to come later. So then that kind of throws everything. I was like, well, is it just that she wants us to get away in general? Right. Or was it? But also remember, like, according to Tiffany, that like she wanted to get away for that weekend. And then she tells her on Sunday that she can't make it. Well, the weekend's over. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you missed the weekend right. already. Right. By that point. Um. So, yeah, I I, I don't really don't know what to think about that. Because I, I kept thinking, it's like, why? well, if you were going to cancel for the weekend, you would cancel Friday or Saturday. You think by Sunday right. you've done already missed it. Right. That's a good point. 
Well, and then now we build in this the additional information about this idea of, you know, Sarah pointed out, do we know if Vicky and John's son Rob got along? Like, because now we've also heard, you know, in the past about the potential of him being there that weekend. So is there any connection to John's son maybe coming that weekend and Vicky wanting to get away? Um you know, Kristen, I think, said something similar, like, try, like, how does that factor kind of drop into these things that we're collecting as we're trying to see a whole picture? I believe. And that's another interview we're going to we're going to break down. I'm not I, I'll t- I've mentioned this before. I'm not going to play. Rob's interview, not even in a, in a bonus, um, because it is extremely emotional and it's just mm-hmm. not fair to okay. do that. Um, I'll break down the contents of it when we get there. But essentially. It. Rob shows up. Rob finds out this happened because he showed up to visit mm. while the police were there. Jeez. Um. Oh. So it, and based on that reaction, in the I mean, I, I I don't see Rob having any involvement from that. When you hear the interview, he's literally like processing the fact that he just found out that his dad's gone. While the police are talking to him and, you know, essentially he was going to. Well, and I don't know if they necessarily if the listener why bringing this up is talking about involvement per se, but more um, just more family dynamic and insight with victimology. That if she wanted to leave because Rob was coming Mm -hmm. possible. But but my understanding is that, well, we have to to dig into the details of Rob's interview because it could be because I, I believe if memory serves, Rob was planning on coming up to visit Sunday. And I think made the call and said, never mind, I'm going to come tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then Vic, so it could be if Vicky didn't want to be there when Rob, when Rob was there, that if she was like, oh, well, if he's not coming today anyway, then I don't want to make this trip up to Newhall. I don't know. It's all, it's all, it's all very confusing. And again, it would be a lot easier. Sure. would be nice to have the exact phone call records. Yes. You know what I mean? So like we could see when did she talk to Tiffany Right. compared to that call from rob's mom's cell phone right and was there a call from rob's cell phone also like what the hell was going on Mm. because you know with with all of this is it's just hard without the phone records being accurate yeah nicole says did anyone else think vicky might be have been dealing with an illness something maybe that she's keeping from people um could that explain the the sort of desire to make a connection with her grandson or you know, the mention of kind of the the menopause stuff and was there something more going on there? I don't know. I mean, you know what I know. Yeah. It, just, just from just what Tiffany's told us. Well, and, and Tiffany mentions that there's a possibility of mental illness, I believe, in the mm-hmm. in the episode. And I think that there could be something along that lines, too. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that she has something terminal or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if she has if she's bipolar, you know, I mean, maybe she's having a, a good moment and she wants to go see them. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that could be happening that w- it doesn't necessarily mean that it's this, this physical ailment. That yeah. She has. And to, but and, yeah. and it's so and tough it's to even like kids like we haven't even, you know. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. And it, it's so hard to like base off of like because like so Tiffany's saying like she's delusional about this stuff and she's kind of. But, but at the same time, like we don't know Tiffany that well either because what it seems like they had very different, you know. Mm-hmm. For example, Vicky loved John and Tiffany hated John. So I think, you know, Tiffany could see her loving the person she hates as there must be something wrong with her. Right. You know, I mean, I just yeah. hate to like be well, and diagnosing I, someone with 
it, a problem. For sure. I said that right off the top. I, you know, I think that there's a lot we can take from this, but we also have to understand this is Tiffany's perspective, and right. we're only hearing Tiffany's side of this. Right. Um, just get uh, Amanda in the in the YouTube chat says that, and I have to go back and review this. She says Vicky's autopsy referenced something on the uterus, like a growth. Hmm. That's interesting. So maybe we should check yeah. that out. Um, circle back, which to can that. also be like very common and benign, but. Um, that's mm-hmm. definitely very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, Amanda. Uh, just kind of uh, going into John a little bit more. Um, Dawn wanted to know if, if there were any domestic violence charges or anything like that in the past. Um, Lauren wondering about CPS, any Child Protective Services stuff going on there. You know, Sandy and Brian were also kind of trying to figure out, again, where to place John in in all of this. Just, again, yeah. the understanding, no, like I haven't you said, seen... Zach, that this is, this is one person's you know perspective, but. Yeah. Now, all I've ever found in background checks for John were the the liens, you know, money stuff, the tax liens and stuff like that. Uh, nothing criminal. Yeah. Um, Rachel says, well, this is kind of falls in line with that as well. Rachel says, it seems like Tiffany had a lot of paint, pent up anger about John. Even when the investigator asked other questions about Vicky, she kept turning it back around towards John. Do we have any other testimonies to John's character or personal life that might lead towards actual possible suspects other than the alimony and child support payments? Yeah, I mean, we're still going to hear from Drew and Tanya as well. So the other the other two sisters, and we you know we so far all we heard from is you know John's boss, you know, for lack of a better word, and Tiffany now. But yeah, we're going to hear from the other two sisters as well. So hopefully that'll give us a little better rounded uh, look at John yeah. as we move forward. Uh, Sarah, I thought made a kind of a good observation. Uh, is there any indication that if Becky ever referred to her mom's boyfriends as dad, can we know for sure that when she was telling friends about maybe, you know, perhaps being abused by her dad, if we are sure that she was in fact talking about her biological father, Ron? We're not sure, but you know, that's all we can do is speculate about that. The grow, the marijuana grow, some questions, of course, coming up around that uh, ongoing and new to uh, this episode, just trying to figure out again with the money and wondering where where money was and wondering where Becky got her mm-hmm. marijuana, got her weed if, if you know, money was an issue. Susan, uh, Susan, Laura, Wes, um, I'm going to read Susan's comment, but echoed in their their comments as well not about tiffany but something that's been on my mind if there was a grow operation near or around the property when the murders occurred wouldn't the police have found it maybe i don't have an appreciation of the landscape for that area um other folks you know west was like where would this have been like where um that that it would go unknown yeah i don't think it would have been found i mean they they've they said in like the pre-trial stuff that they didn't do a big grid search out behind the desert you know they basically went as far as the wheelbarrow tracks and then they looked, you know, in kind of concentric circles around there, found the business card, but they didn't do a grid search of the whole area. And if you look at the aerial photos that are on our website, it's massive. I mean, it's, you could go back another half mile and have, you know, a grow operation going at the foothills of the mountains that are back there. I mean, there are definitely places where they could have not mm-hmm. found them. And there's just like a history of like shadiness up there, you know, with the, with the whole Trapini thing with John, like, there's the FBI investigation I mentioned there. The Riverside Sheriff's Department has a history of some pretty quirky stuff happening up there. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I just want to acknowledge in the YouTube that folks are weighing in on the um, 
the, the Vicky's medical situation and that, that it does sound like it could have been just, a, you know, a fibroid tumor or something benign. Yeah. And, and it says it's and, benign. I mean, I, I was just trying to read that as well. It does say, I mean, it says it's in there. It's exactly what it says in the autopsy, but it does say it's benign. Oh, thanks. A benign tumor. Yeah. Uh, that's so helpful. Give Zach a big computer and look I what we know. got. I know. That's fantastic. <laughs> Apparently yeah. they found it faster than I did, but. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. Thank you, buddy. Um, just to touch on the Austin thing really quickly. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of people there, there was not, at least in the follow-up uh, posts, there was not a ton of, oh my gosh, what the, what does this mean about Austin? I mean, there are definitely questions about mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I picked a couple. Jess says, was there any phone contact at all between Austin and Becky? Could we just put to rest or not the idea that there was a personal connection between them? I know Sonia and Susan, Lisa, everyone was real curious about the possibility of Tiffany mistaking perhaps Austin as a, a potential boyfriend. No, well, and it remember Tiffany hadn't spoken with Becky in over a week. Right. Um, so no, I mean, we see some calls to the landline at Jacob and Austin's house, but they're like in like you see Becky calling Jacob's cell phone and then calling the landline. And so it looks more like she's trying to get a hold of Jacob. And look, I don't know if it means anything. All I was when she was, She's in the context of describing Becky's boyfriends and says that, you know, she gets them confused. And then she was like, you know, he was 19 years old and he did something in housing and made good money. And I was, it was literally, I was just like, who the hell is she talking about? Like Jacob was 21 and he was like a teller at, at a bank and gray was 26 and worked at the cheesecake factory like who the hell was night? So then I did some checking because I, for some reason, I thought Austin was older, and then I looked up. I'm like, oh shit, Austin was 19. Hmm. And then I was thinking, wait a minute, didn't he do something in housing? And I went to his interview, uh, where where he says that he was working from home doing home doing home appraisals, and it was just could be nothing. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's a, but but that's the thing is when you blow shit like that off and 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 don't. At least keep a pin in it. That's mm-hmm. when we miss stuff, and and it's it's finding details like this that may play into things later. So I'm not saying that oh Becky was dating Austin, but it sure seems like Becky, in the context of describing boyfriends, at some point to Tiffany described Austin. Now could that have been he, she was just talking about her boyfriend's roommate? Maybe could it have been that she was just describing Austin because he seemed like someone that Becky would accept more than some, you know, you know, like she wasn't really dating him, but was like using kind of his life as the person she was describing. And there's not maybe, but also is there that, that, so in Austin's interview, he mentioned something about like wanting to get introduced to Becky's sister. Now I don't believe it's Tiffany. I believe they're talking about drew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But could it just be something they were talking about in conversation? You're like, Oh, Austin wants to meet drew. He does this and this, and then Tiffany just takes There's it. There's a million things right. that it could be. What, what what struck me that I thought was worth bringing up is that it, from Tiffany's perspective, in the context of discussing boyfriends, Becky described Austin. And the reason that's important to me to at least keep, at least keep in the back of our minds is because we have this, like, confrontation that happens at Denny's, right? Right. And we're all like, why the hell, what would, why would Austin give a shit? He wasn't even that close to Jacob from listening to him. Why would he be so passionate? And and then Austin, everybody's saying Austin hated Becky. Right. And, you know, like 
there's all this weird emotion and this weird passion with, of Austin towards Becky that never made sense. So for me, when I read that, it was like, oh, shit, what if there was something had happened between them at some point hmm. while she was with Jacob or something? Maybe that explains it. I'm not saying that's the case, but it's a possibility. Right. So Valeria brings it up in the post. What about if they dated in the past? They dated in yeah. the past horrible separation we don't know about because we're not talking about these boyfriends right and then as she says they find themselves face to face at jacobs it's it's possible he lived far away but remember they both went to cod they went to the same college mm -hmm. i just want to i want to because there's a lot of there were a lot of questions about this um on facebook and then it's coming up as well on the youtube many people thought that austin was working as a teller at wells fargo at the time that becky was murdered and that the appraiser had th that position had started later than that at a later point in his life do you know if that's true or not there there's some question about that in his interview that we heard a while back um he's asked specifically what were you doing for work at that time um and that's right i was Kristen. it, it was jacob worked at time warner um it was it was austin that worked as the bank teller he was asked what were you doing at that time and he says that he was doing home appraisal stuff working from home and then they ask him about wells fargo and he says uh i i'm not sure then he then he's like oh yeah i think i still was working at wells fargo at that point so it's 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 possible so it it's possible that him. he wasn't doing that's what i'm just afraid. yeah it, it's possible it may not even be him it's just like all, all i took from that was who is she talking about who's 19 years old and worked in housing somehow right I'm like, oh, shit, that's Austin, this guy that we don't know why he hates her so much. Right. And that's it. So it's it's not anything confirmed. It's something just to just to be thinking about. And honestly, and and I'm still keep in mind, I'm still personally really not convinced at all that Becky was a target right. in any of this to begin with. Right. Especially after this interview. Right. Um, no, but it's a good detail and, uh, and you're, you're so right. Like keeping, keeping a pin in it is never a bad idea. Um, let's go, uh, let's talk about Trapini. I sort of saved that for last. A lot of questions about that. A lot of curiosity about that. I know that since I was on Facebook really reading through people's posts, um, you have, you had now have since posted some articles in the Truth and Justice case documents mm -hmm. on the Truth and Justice website. So there is more information there um, for folks who might not get there or, you know, do you want to give a little bit more of a summary, go into a little bit more detail than you did uh, on the episode? People are wondering, you know, when he got out of prison um, and just generally, like, what's the story with Trapini? Truthfully, I've had a hard time with background checks on him, even like searching through the Riverside District courts, criminal background checks. The they have you can create an account and log in and pay a fee to be able to like pull up back, like his like these criminal charges don't even show up. I don't know if it's because they were too long ago. People were talking about um, him being released in two thousand one. I don't know if that's the case or if he was released before that. Zach looked up earlier in those um, articles. He was sentenced. He was convicted. A voluntary manslaughter in '87 and sentenced to 14 years. So that's so like if he served his full sentence, he would have been out five years before this murder occurred. Mm -hmm. The whole, you know, again, like I said, like weird things. Like he goes over to Ron's house and Ron ends up like 
taking him back. And he's like friends with him. And then he takes him back over there. There's, I've heard stories about what that was about. I'm that are just, you know, they're speculative. Um, but all in all, so he's charged. What did you say, Zach, in, in the article that said that he got charged with voluntary manslaughter and he was, he was sentenced to the maximum of 14 years. Right. But as far as like you said, the, the, they convinced the jury that, well, and he, he tried to bring forth that, that they opened fire on him first and that it was self-defense and that's not what at all had happened. Right. Yeah. My, I don't, I don't know that even, I mean, we don't have access to the trial transcripts, but I, from the newspaper, it doesn't sound like there was a gun found with. Yeah. The, and, and there was another bystander that was shot. So, and so he was shot 11 times. And my understanding is he shot Trapini shot Bonaventura on that ATV, shot him 10 times and then came up to him and made a final 11th shot to the head to kill him and somehow goes through the court system and just gets charged with voluntary manslaughter. Also shot and injured, you know, a bystander in the process. I think he was charged with more, but they but the jury gave him the lesser charge like they they I'm sure that they that they wanted to charge it, that they you know, that they that they were given the option, like because the way that the article phrases it, it says the jury found him guilty of the lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter, implying that they could have found him guilty of murder. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they had they gave the they must have given the jury the option to do both. Um, to like, you know, the, the, you can convict him of murder or you can convict him of, man, of manslaughter and they convicted him of manslaughter. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that, again, I don't have the court documents. I only have newspaper articles. So I don't, I don't know, but it seems like it seems pretty nuts for him to, and they're mentioned in the chat that he was, his sentence got reduced to 13 years. So, you know, around 2000, he was, if he served the full sentence was released from prison. Um, but that's all I know is what's in those newspaper articles. And there's nothing online about it. It was too old. It's just the the printed stuff that we have that was that was scanned in. And then we have what Tiffany speculates or talks about when she says that something about he helped Ron get guns that he wanted to collect and that he was a yeah. former, which I think does show up in one of the articles. And um, just wondering how enmeshed they actually were with one another. Yeah. And if you remember way back the interview, and I don't remember how much of it I played on here, but the interview with uh, Chris Farley who was one of the neighbors up there, you know, she mentioned this a little bit to me when I was interviewing her. And I don't remember if I played that or not, but she talked a little bit about how, yeah, it was weird. She was, you know, Ron was the sheriff that she was talking about that used to, that she says used to sneak around with night vision goggles. And, Oh, uh, when he, when he, yeah, yeah, that was oh. Ron. She was talking about the, the old County sheriff that lived up there okay. that used to do that. I mm-hmm. feel like we definitely didn't know that till this moment. Am I right, everybody? Yeah. I just wow. in that moment just occurred to me that Whoa. I said I'll explain to you who that was later. That's who it was. Wow. Um yeah, the weird the weird county sheriff that lived up there she was talking about was Ron Friedley. Okay. Um and talked and she talked to me about this. They said they were like buddies and like he committed this murder and then went to his buddy Ron's house and was sitting there with Ron and then they ended up going back down to the you know, to his house when the police were there. Wow. Waiting for him. So yeah, there's a lot of weirdness with everything going on up there with him. And and wow. people have like speculated, could it have been like Trapini doing something for Ron? Because like I said, Ron's pretty, we haven't even got into Ron yet, but as I've said, he's pretty strongly alibied that he was hours away when this happened. Right. Him physically. Right. Um, based on, on phone records and stuff. But some people brought like, could it be a murder for hire situation? Right. 
I don't I don't know. And then of course now with the Strapini connection, people are like, could that have been who he used? I, again, that's all just going to be speculation, right? Yeah, I I feel like this happens if not every follow up, every other follow up post on Facebook, someone says, and Courtney did this last week. Follow the money. So there are still people who are you know sort of like. Yeah, you, they you've you nothing has convinced them beyond the initial speculation about the money owed to Vicky um, to to cause them to believe. I mean, I'm assuming that's a very simple thing to type. So I'm making a lot of assumptions about what they're saying. But it seems yeah. to me they're saying we've done all of this other stuff as we need to do. But look at the money. So we'll see where that. Yeah. Leads so us. It, listen, I, I, will, I will tell you straight up that to me, the biggest risk factor here is money. There's the money owed, and we're going to hear more about that this weekend too, but there's the money owed from Ron, right? So there's there's a big money issue. Uh, and then you also have this weird, like, they're broke all the time, can't pay their mortgage, John's making this money, we don't know where the money's going, we have rumors of him doing a grow, um, they're pulling cash out of the bank all the time. Um yeah, I don't know what what the scenario is, but to me, the money seems like the biggest risk factor here. And that's why I continue to say, like, the crime scene to me doesn't indicate that Becky was the target. It seems like she was the interruption and and not the target. And as far as risk factor goes, there's even nothing going on in her life with, you know, Jacob. Like, they broke up. They seem friendly. So what? Austin didn't like her, but we don't, you know, but there doesn't seem to be anything there that that, that would trigger a triple homicide. Robert, like what's like he if he wanted her back, it seems like she was into that. And if he didn't, then what you know what I mean? There's like there's nothing that show that shows any kind of motive. But then you've got this like supposedly owed $175,000 big problem. You've got the maybe there's a marijuana growing grow operation going on just based on on rumor. And then there seem, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that John's making that aren't landing in the bank account and aren't paying bills. Where's that money? That's where like. Like if if I was going to put three words for the most important thing in this case, it's exactly that. Follow the money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A couple of just quick last things. Uh, Alexis mentioned, and I know that we because we are staying with the family for a little bit longer and I'm interested to hear what the next episode is going to be. But Alexis said it would be somewhere. It would be really helpful to have an overview of the family. Like how old were each of the sisters at the time of the murders? Where were each of the sisters living? Did they have significant others? Did they have kids? Just to sort of have the full picture of the family that we're talking about, at least in terms of Vicky's family. Yeah, I I thought I kind of broke. I mean, not in that quite detail, but at the beginning of this episode, I broke down a little bit, and I can give you off the top of my head. So you have Tiffany, obviously is the oldest. Her father was Michael Goodrich. She was born back in the in the seventies, so she's much older than you know, a good ten years older than the rest. And then came Drew. I, I don't remember who's older, Drew or Tanya, um, but they're pretty close in age. And then Becky was the youngest at the time of the murder. Tanya was working as, uh, as a sheriff's deputy. Drew was in the air force in Japan. We all know we heard all about Tiffany and then there's Becky, um, as far as significant others or anything like that. I, that I don't know off the top of my head, but we will hear some of that come in the coming weeks. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to point out is just some folks. I saw that I was tagged in a tweet and then, um, on the YouTube, uh, there are some questions about um, whether Laura Richards 
could be a potential expert to consult on some of the relationship dynamics if things start to get fleshed out more. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I will reach out to Laura if it depends where things go. So I don't see a scenario possible where John was the perpetrator, as we just talked about, like murder-suicide doesn't seem possible from the crime scene. So with that being the case, like understanding the risk that John posed to Vicky isn't particularly a high priority right now. And and I hope I'm not, I hope I'm explaining what I'm saying. Well, like I don't think there's a single possibility that John is the one who did this. So knowing how, how much, how, how much risk was posed by John to Vicky or to Becky may not be entirely relevant. Hmm. Does that make sense? What mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think and I think that is why folks are asking because of the the family dynamics. But perhaps even if it I don't know that the same people who are asking, could it be murder, suicide are also asking about Laura Richards. That's not the sense. I yeah. get. The sense I get is like, could she help to help us further understand the overall family dynamics, which then helps with the overall victimology, which then some, you know, perhaps could inform um, outside risks. Um, I don't yeah. know. Well, John could very well be the reason for the murders, but not the cause of the murder. And also Ron. I mean, you know, I if right. they could also be talking about Ron, if there's more information about the original family dynamic of their, you know, three of the girls birth father and all of that, like maybe that could be something that. Yeah. Laura helps and, out. and definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I've studied Laura's work and you know, we're good friends and I've studied her work for years. And yeah, like to, to real quick answer the question. Yes, there are absolutely indica- indicators, of course, of control going on right. here. The, the the isolating from her family, and you hear like even her opinions are changing, and she, you know, the, and the financial stuff. All of that are huge indicators, of course, of control. Um, I just don't know where that's going to fall in as far as relevance here. But but yeah, if we have if if, if Laura has some availability. And and we have a space to put that in. Then, yeah, I'd like to hear what she has to say about it. It's just right for me right now. It's not at the top of my priority list to try to fit that in only because because I just don't see like you said, Zach, like John could be the I don't know how you put it, the the reason, but not the cause yeah. of, the, of the homicide. Yeah, but if he's the reason, unless the reason is somebody came to kill him because of the way he's treating his family. Which seems very unlikely, considering the family was killed too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So it, it's just it's just hard for me to figure out how that would all fit. Okay, well, we've put it out there. Um, so that's kind of sit, that's sitting out there on the table as well. If it becomes um, even more important, uh, and that's all I have. So you mentioned that we're going to stay with the family. Uh, you mentioned a couple of other interviews with Tiffany. Are we going to get a sense of those soon, or? Yeah, so this weekend's episode, you're going to hear, and again, remember, the interview that I just broke down is available as a bonus episode when you're hearing this on the feed. Um, And then this weekend's episode is going to be two more interviews with Tiffany. Both of them actually have pretty good, crisp audio, so I want you guys to hear them. So um, you're going to hear both of those this weekend. Uh, So you get a little better feeling of Tiffany, and she gets into some very key things. One of them was recorded about a month after the first interview in October. and the police had originally called her because they're trying to get phone records and find out that she had canceled the phone bill. So they can't get the phone records anymore. Um, and then the, another one occurred in 2018, right before the trial, like, like two months before the, the trial occurred. 
Uh, and there's information in both of those that that we need to add to this list. And at that point, then we'll be done with Tiffany unless I'm able to contact her and she's, she wants to speak to us directly. Um, and then we're still going to get through uh, moving forward into Drew and Tanya and Chuck. Uh, we want to get all that. So we get the the and then Rob also Rob Hayward. Uh, we're going to get through all those and try to and I'll try to consolidate those as much as I can so we can keep keep ourselves moving. But to get that full picture of the whole family dynamic. Yeah. So that's what's coming up on Sunday. And again, the bonus episode from this last interview is already up when you're hearing this. So, and with that, unless you guys have anything else, I think we can wrap this up. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you next week. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Ahoy, friends. You didn't say ahoy. You don't get to say that now. They don't know that. (gasps) Excuse me. That was cute. Did you hear it? That was so cute. I know.
Achoo. Achoo. Miss Cozy. Miss Cozy. Achoo. How do you spell bougie? Bougie? I don't know. Well, bougie. Yeah. Don't ask me to spell things. Bougie. Boogie. Boogie. Bougie. Bougie. Boogie. Yes, I did it. I do it to be an asshole. Like, I don't do it because it's, like, convenient. It's gross. Depends what I'm doing. Don't be a dick. Listen, calm down. Well, I can tell you this. When I text my cousin and then I text fuck you, I spell out the whole thing. Yeah. I'm a big you guy. Big you guy. I feel like I gave you advice as well. Which was? You put it in a sandwich baggie and throw it away. Ah. Uh-huh. We all agree. No, that's silly. 